There's a famous question that has resounded throughout the centuries, but really came to its apex in the medieval times. Cord Deus Homo. Why did God become man? And really the short answer to that question was because only God could and only man should. That after we sinned against God, after we fell, we didn't have the power to make proper sacrifice of reconciliation to to restore that relationship. Like if someone, one of you, punches one of the altar servers, not a big deal. You can apologize and get, be okay again. If one of you punches a priest, a little bit bigger of a deal. If you punch the Pope, that's going to take some extra work to get in that reconciliation, right, in the end. It's because the higher the person that the affront is against, the bigger the reparation has to be. And if we're too low from that person, there's really nothing we can say or do that can adequately satisfy. So God, who's infinitely good, when we sin against him, and when we all, in our own ways, sin against him, there's nothing that we can do to rectify that relationship. So why did God become man in Jesus Christ? We believe that the second person in the Holy Trinity became man so that he himself, as God, could offer the sacrifice in our nature as human beings to reconcile us with the Father. But what that really means at its core, something very important for us to remember, that we will never be sufficient on our own to be in right relationship with God. That can be depressing, but that can also be like the greatest news we ever heard if you've ever had to struggle with your own weak, fallen nature. A story came to my mind this morning. I didn't know if I was going to preach on it. It's a little inappropriate. And I was like, well, sometimes the best stories are a little inappropriate. They're the most revelatory, too. And I was like, well, I don't know. And then I heard the psalm chanted this morning. I was like, okay, I got to talk about this story. Let us see your face, O Lord, and we shall be saved. How is it that seeing the face of the Lord can actually save us? I knew a man once who was addicted not just to pornography, but actually going to prostitutes, something he struggled with for many years. And no matter what, he couldn't break that habit. His will was not strong enough. He said one time he was actually with a woman in a room in the very act, and he experienced Jesus Christ visiting his soul right in that moment. Like that's dirty grace. That's God coming to him in like the very epitome of his sin. And he said at that moment when he experienced the face of Christ looking at him in that place, got up, got dressed, walked out, and he never went back. And he said the difference between all those other times when he himself with his own willpower tried to break away from the sin that was so alluring to him was that for the first time he experienced God in the very depths of his sorrow and his isolation. And so Christ himself was able to lead him out. Then that is the essence of salvation. Experiencing the face of God in the very place of our no, of our sins, so that he himself can become the means of our reconciliation with God. Because we really take for granted that our faith is built on the impossible. What we're asked to believe by revelation 
is in, incomprehensible by our minds. That God is three persons in one God. That God himself became flesh born of a virgin. That he lived, that he thirsted, that he suffered, that he died and rose from the dead. You can't logically work to that. That's why it's called fidens, quadens, intellectum. Faith, seeking, understanding. First, I believe because it was revealed so that I can try to understand what has been revealed. But that means that the foundation of our faith, of our religion, is a consent to revelation by faith. It's not just purely reasonable. And the same thing is with our morality. Jesus Christ, by his demands of the gospel, asks us to do what is impossible by human nature. Chastity, living authentic Catholic Christian chastity is impossible by human nature. Christ's prohibition of divorce, monogamy, is nearly impossible if we look at human history without the grace of Jesus Christ. That's why the first sign that you always can tell when a nation is losing the gospel, divorce becomes a new norm. Because without Christ, marriage cannot succeed. His commandment said, to be his followers, to be worthy of him, we must love him more than mother, father, brother, and sister. He who loves mother and father more than me is not worthy of me. Have we ever really thought about that kind of commandment? That I'm called to love Christ more than the people who are closest to me in this entire world. That's impossible for human nature. Fyodor Dostoevsky, one of his big claims on human nature is that every man is destined to follow in the paths of his father unless divine grace intervenes. Unless we learn to love God more than even our parents. That we're called to live celibacy. Not really talking about incels. That, I don't know if we call that a vocation in itself. But those who are called to priesthood and religious life for the rest of their lives to live in total dedication to God. Without intimacy with another man or another woman. That's impossible to human nature. That's the response of a call. And only God himself can affect that kind of dedication to him. So our faith in what we're called to believe and what we're called to do is by all human striving impossible. And that's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. And that's exactly why God became man in Christ. Because what is impossible for us, he alone can make possible. And God will sometimes, he'll leave us in our sins. He'll leave us in our no to God until we realize that it's only through him that we have the sufficient grace to enter into that relationship. When God first called me to be a priest, when I was studying at the University of Idaho, I was dating a girl and we'd always planned to get married and I had my direction in life. And so when the calling came, it was very clear. I knew without a doubt that God was calling me, but I couldn't say yes to it. I felt like Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman. You guys seen that movie? Hopefully it's one of the best out there. He says, now I've come to my crossroads in my life. I always knew what the right path was. Without exception, I knew, but I never took it. Why? Because it was too damn hard. So I knew God was calling me to be a priest. It was just too hard to say yes to it. And I 
I'd break up with my girlfriend and then I'd try to go for like a day or a week and then we'd get back together because I realized I just couldn't do it. Then we'd get back together for a while. Then I just couldn't stop striving to fight with this longing to be a priest but longing to be married and live my own life. So we'd break up again and then I couldn't stay away and we'd get back together. And I just remembered this one time walking by St. Augustine's up at the U of I campus. And I just looked at, I, didn't, I refused to go into the church because I was so angry at God and angry at myself for him for calling me to be a priest and angry at myself for not being able to say yes to that. Have you ever had that fight? Have you ever tried to fight a sin in your life or a no? You're like angry at God that he even asked you of it, but you're also angry at yourself that you can't say yes, right? And when we do that, we tend to hide. And so I refused to even go into the church. But I remember just looking at the church seeing the tabernacle through the window. And I said, I refuse to become a priest. I tried and I can't do it. So if you want me to be a priest, if you want me to answer this call, you have to do it. I'm going to see my girlfriend. I walked away and I, I left. I think Jesus was just sitting there with a smile. It doesn't sound like fight words because a week later I was in seminary. So that was my <laughs> But I think his whole point was with that is he waited until I understood that I couldn't even answer the call to be a priest on my own. My yes would go for a little bit of time and then it would change into a no again until I truly surrendered to his grace alone in that. So our faith, our morality by all human striving is impossible. And so if you're having a really difficult time with some aspects of our faith, what we're called to believe or how we're called to live out that faith, you're actually in really good company. You can't really live as a Catholic until you realize how high up we have been called to live in this world. And Pope Benedict XVI, when he wrote about why did God become man, he said this is the very purpose of the incarnation. And he brings it to what we just read in Hebrews. He said that Hebrews quote that we had in the second reading touches on the core of why Christ became man to save us. When Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. He said that body that, that is speaking about in Hebrew means all the humanity that Jesus Christ assumed when he came into this world. In Holocaust and sin offerings, you took no delight. Then I said, as it is written of me in the scroll, behold, I come to do your will, O God. And he said that was the whole personality of Jesus Christ. Everything Jesus Christ was on this earth was a consent to the will of the Father. Was I have come to do your will in all things from the incarnation even unto death on the cross in order to overcome our no to the Father in all things. We were saved because God took our body to the incarnation and he offered that up as a sacrifice of reconciliation on the cross. Father John Hardin, great Jesuit, the only, he once said, the only ultimate reason for Bethlehem is Jerusalem. The only final reason in God's mind for becoming a child is that he might, as man, die on the cross. As we go into Christmas at this time, 
Remembering that Christ, he comes to take on our nature. He becomes an innocent child in order to redeem us from our fallen bodies and to take it to the cross. And that's really what, that's really where our devotion to God comes in when it comes to the cross. And the cross, the best definition of the cross is when my horizontal will, what I see in my life, what I want, what I'm going for, intersects with the vertical will of God. And then I have to make the choice. Do I go my own way or do I take up my cross to follow our Lord? And Jesus Christ himself was the first one to assume our nature and bring it to the cross so that in all things we would be consecrated to the Father through him, through his body. We are not saved without the body of Jesus Christ. And that's why in every Mass is the continuation of Christmas, where God once again descends in the second person of the Holy Trinity to transform bread and wine into his own body and blood. Every Mass. So that we who receive his body into our body can receive him, especially into the places within us that is still unredeemed, where I am still a no to God, no to his revelation or no to his morality. And he himself can affect that union by his own body within us. So I just invite everybody here, call to mind one thing in your life that you're struggling with, where you feel God is calling you to something, you know that you should be living in one way that you're not, one way that would help your family, would help your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself. Like, where is a place that you're a no to God? And be comfortable in that no. But invite Christ in Holy Communion to find you there. And just be honest. I have this piece of me that does not want to say yes to you that does not want to follow you. But I want you to find me there. I want you to find me in my no, so that you yourself can transform me and everything within my heart into a yes to your Father. Because that is why Jesus Christ became man.